Have you ever accomplished something only to have someone else steal the credit from from your hard work? Has that ever happened to you? Um, There are few things that are more annoying. Um, On the NBC comedy series Brooklyn Nine-Nine, a reoccurring character nicknamed the Vulture um, has a habit of letting everyone else do the work, and then at the very last minute, he swoops in and he takes the credit. Here's a quick little montage of some of his deeds. On the count, one, two, three, I got him from here. against you in a court of law. Thanks, guys. I got it from here. Skim white chocolate macchiato for Charles? I got it from here. I used a gift card for that. (laughs) Um, Do any of you have vultures in your life? People who have that sneaky habit of showing up just in the nick of time to take credit? Students, youth, um, can you think of that group project that you had to do, and you put in the work, and that guy shows up at the last minute and says, oh, I, I got busy, and you're like, well, we, we all pass or we all fail, so then you double down, you work extra hard, you repair all of his work, you hand it in, you get an A, he gets an A, everybody wins, and you feel that a little bit. Or parent A, you do all the shopping, you, uh, plan it all out, you wrap the gift, and then your precious child opens that gift and with excitement turns to parent B and says, thank you so much. And you're sitting there being like, I did it. This is my work. Or maybe in the office, you have this feeling running through your mind. Here's a little meme joke for us to look at here. I can barely wait to take credit for your great ideas. Yep. Um, We all have those vultures in our lives. Um, And even though we've experienced the frustration of them, that sting, sometimes, let's be honest, we act like vultures too. Um, There was that other group project. You were that guy that didn't do the work, or you were that parent that just said, I'll take the credit. Yep, it was me. I took it all. Whatever the case may be, you found yourself swooping in. Maybe it was an accidental, you know, someone gave you credit for a great idea or a great joke, and it was not yours, but you didn't correct that error. We live in a confusing world. With so many mixed messages, on one hand, we grow up being told Like, don't do that. Don't take credit for other people's work, skills, talents. We don't do that. But then we are also shown that we've got to rise above, that we have to look out for number one. You must rise above the crowd and get ahead or pull the crowd down. And then so we find ourselves needing, needing to stand on the heads of other people, taking credit where credit is not due, or fault-finding in others. Uh, When I look to our culture, all I see, or I see a lot of finger-pointing and narcissists. We feel pressure to be noticed, but it feels like the only way for us to stand above the crowd is to stand on the heads of other people. Um, Why do we do this? 
Why do I do this? Why do people go and do this? Well, we have that pressure, we have that desire, we have that longing to be seen, noticed, appreciated. We want to feel significant. Even if that praise is tainted with the absence of some of the facts, And I know that I'm not alone in this difficulty. And what about our life of faith, right? What about God? There is no easier target than God. We can swoop in, take all the credit that God has done, um, and he doesn't say anything about it. He's really easy for us to be a vulture to. In Psalms 139, let me read this for you. It says this, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. Or how about this, James 1:17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Or in today's passage, we heard this in in verse 3. Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. God created you. God fashioned you. God in love gives you good gifts. God does all the work to equip us and enable us, and he pours out his Holy Spirit to give us spiritual gifts, and then we swoop in and we take all the credit. And it's so easy to do that. God doesn't raise his hand in class and say, hey, hey, uh, that, that, that was my idea. That, that was my project. God doesn't write a letter of complaint to the boss. He just lets us parade around patting ourselves on our back. He lets us enjoy our skills, talents, and gifting. He doesn't force us to direct our gifts to help further the gospel. Yes, he invites us to do that. But he lets us chart our own course, right? Well, we're starting a four-week sermon series titled Equipping the Work of Ministry. Now, the line was taken from Ephesians 4 where it says that he, the Holy Spirit, has given gifts to the church for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. The purpose of these next four weeks is to prepare us for the fall season. For most families, individuals, and the church in general, the fall season is when we kick things off. It's when we get going. It's when we send our kids to dance class or art class, or we end our summer job and we go to university. It's where we start to schedule things together and put things together, organizing our lives. 
It also reveals our priorities, and it determines the kind of fall that you end up having. For many, it's more significant than New Year's. And as I prayed about our future and the gospel projects that God has in front of us, has in store for us, it became evident to me, clear to me, that in order for us to be the vibrant, relevant, transformative community that we need to be, we need to be equipped. We need to be equipped by the Holy Spirit. Church, I am excited for this coming fall. I am excited for what God is going to do amongst us, around us, and with us. God desires to accomplish good things in our community. And there will be challenges and opportunities that lay in front of us that will require it all. All of our natural gifts and all of our spiritual gifts. The supernatural and the natural is what we need. So, why then are you talking about vultures, Trent? What, what are you even doing right now? Good question, you might ask. And to answer that question, we're going to turn to Scripture, but we're not going to read it, though you can open your Bibles and follow along. It's a fun, interesting, compelling story that you'll see in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 8. So if you have your Bibles with you, feel free to open them up. I am going to be reading from the message, which is Eugene Peterson's transliteration of that passage. So how many of you have heard of the magician named Simon? Hands? I see a quick hand up at the back there. That's appropriate. Yep, Simon. So, settle in. Let's listen to this story, all right? So, previous to Philip's arrival, Philip was one of the disciples, a certain Simon had practiced magic in the city, posing as a famous man and dazzling all the Samaritans with his wizardry. He had them all, from little children to old men, eating out of his hand. They all thought he had supernatural powers, and they called him the Great Wizard. He had been around a long time, and everyone was more or less in awe of him. But when Philip came to town announcing the good news of God's kingdom and proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ, they forgot Simon. They were baptized, becoming believers right and left. Even Simon, I thought this was interesting, even Simon himself believed and was baptized. From that moment, he was like Philip's shadow, so fascinated with all the God signs and miracles that he wouldn't leave Philip's side. When the apostles in Jerusalem received the report that uh, Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John down to pray for them to receive the Holy Spirit. Up to this point, they had only been baptized in the name of the Master, Jesus. The Holy Spirit hadn't yet fallen on them. When the apostles laid their hands on them, and they did, and they did receive the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw the apostles... By merely laying on hands, conferred the Spirit, he pulled out his money. He pulled out his money. And excitedly, he said, sell me your secret. Sell me your secret. Show me how you did that. How much do you want? Name your price. Whew. Then Peter said, to hell with your money. And along with it, 
Why, that's unthinkable. Trying to buy God's gift? You'll never be part of what God is doing by striking bargains and offering bribes. Change your ways and how. Ask the master to forgive you for trying to use God to make money. I can see this is an old habit within you. You reek of money lust. Oh, said Simon, pray for me. Pray to the master that nothing like that will ever happen to me. And with that, the apostles went on their way, continuing to witness and spread the message of God's salvation, preaching in every Samaritan town they passed through through, uh, on their return to Jerusalem. It's a good story. As God brings revival, as we begin to see a shift in our community, as God begins to pour out his spirit generously on all who seek, we cannot, we must not let the gifts become the point, letting them fuel our spiritual pride. If our pursuit of God's good gifts are for our benefit alone, for our self-esteem, for our, our kingdom, our glory, I actually hope that God would not pour out his spirit. Yes, I, you heard me correctly. If God, if, if in our pursuit of going after the power of God, God's miraculous, God's good things, but if we're doing it just for ourselves, just for our own kingdom, just for feeling good about ourselves and better about who we are, and that is all, and it has nothing to do with the church, nothing to do with the kingdom of God, nothing to do with the mission of God, it might be better to not have it all, have it at all. This Simon the magician, he believed in what the disciples were teaching. He was even baptized, but through it all, he was only interested in it for himself, for standing on the head of God to rise above the crowd. You can see that the foundation of this man's faith was not humility, it was not surrender. Simon, who enjoyed being known as this great wizard or this sorcerer, this man of power, he enjoyed taking the credit. And as soon as he saw the gifts available, he wanted it for himself. Simon was that vulture. He even attempted to buy gifts. And I know that might seem crazy for us that someone would do that. But then when I look in and I look out at our church, churches in general, individuals, corporate, all of that, the the global church, we have this desire to want to get from God, to take from God, get God's favor for our own advancement. It is a temptation we all face. And what did Peter say to Simon? I appreciate Peterson's version of this. It carries that punch, that force. What did he say? He said, to hell with your money and you along with it. Why, that's unthinkable, trying to buy God's gift. You'll never be a part of God, what God is doing if you're striking bargains and offering bribes. Change your ways and now ask the master to forgive you for trying to use God to make money. And that's the last we hear of this guy. Yeah, there's other things written of him in other texts, but this is the last we hear of him. The reputation of the church globally does not need another too proud, too confident church that doesn't know how to give credit where credit is due. 
until we understand in humility that the equipping is from God for the glory of God and is distributed according to his will, we will be like children driving semi-trucks. We would be a church that would be dangerous to the kingdom of God. We need the filling of the Holy Spirit and we are going to go after that as a church. We are going to be passionately in pursuit of all of the good gifts that God has for us. But before we go after that, we need to consider the consequences of not giving God credit for the gifts that he will give, for not giving God credit for the gifts he has already given. I'm excited for the season that we are entering into, but it will require all the natural and supernatural gifts that are available. And we need to develop a habit now of giving God glory for all the good things before we get caught up in the exciting work that God is gonna do. I don't know if you know this, but I am a fan of Marvel movies. Um, Many of us are. Um, I'm a sucker for heroes, villains, strange worlds, superpowers. It's just so, honestly, it's so much fun. I love it. It's so much fun. Um, And these fictional characters in these fictional worlds offer a beautiful template for us to, as a culture, reflect on the human condition. Um, One of my favorite characters is Doctor Strange. Maybe it's the cape um, that has its own personality. Uh, Maybe it's his magical powers that he does. Maybe it's his goatee. I don't think so. Um, Maybe, (laughs) but I think for me, it's his character development, right? So he was so good at his job as a surgeon. He was so intelligent that he had no empathy whatsoever, and he was obnoxiously proud. And it was in his pride and in his blindness to everything that was going on around him that even nearly cost him his life in this massive car accident. And in this crash, he lost the necessary function of his hands to be a surgeon. He considered himself worthless without his gift, never once being able to see past his talents. So once, never being able to see what lay underneath in his life. So he pursues passionately, like without, like just on and on, trying to solve the problem with his hands, trying to gain control over his life again. And this journey required him to learn humility before he could make peace with his new situation and enter a new calling that would save far more people than he did as a surgeon, right? So I I love it, so good. And yes, he still continues to be a bit obnoxiously proud. Um, But with every adventure, he rediscovers through the process humility, sacrifice, and courage, and then it kind of has to repeat again. But honestly, I think when I look at my own life, when I look at the lives of friends and family and us as a whole church, that is the cycle of constantly combating spiritual pride. Spiritual pride is not easy. C.S. Lewis put it this way, according to Christian teachers, the essential vice, the utmost evil is pride. Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all of that are a mere flea bite, flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. 
It is pride which has been the chief cause of misery in every nation and every family since the world began. Pride directly undermines everything that God created us to be. God made us in his image. We're like mirrors, right? We have that purpose in our lives to turn our attention towards God, to direct our minds and our hearts towards the love of God, to reflect his glory in the world. And the opposite of this, turning away from God, so that we don't reflect God's glory anymore. This is sin. And the chief root of that is our pride. And if pride is paired with spiritual giftedness, we've seen this in the world. It leads to ruin and disaster and heartache within the Christian community. And we can't have that. So we need to give credit to our Lord. James 4, 6 says this, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. But it's more than just giving credit to God as a combat against spiritual pride, though that is so essential. It also gives us the ability to let go of our desire to have all the gifts. God chooses which gifts that, that we receive. God chooses what we, rec- what we get. Um, earlier in the passage in Romans 12, it said this, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. Growing up in church, so I grew up in church, and growing up in church, this was a hard thing for me to accept. I kind of wanted it all. I wanted more. <laughs> I, if, without God's grace in my life, envy would be my ruin. It would be the end of me. Oh, look at that good person doing that good thing. Why can't I be doing that? Oh, look at this person's intelligence and they're accomplishing these things. Can, what, what about that? Or, oh, look at this person's spiritual gifts. I wish I could have that. And I would be led all over the place and it would be a disaster for me. I think part of our struggle with the gifts of God is to trust that God is in control and that our gifts are the result of his blessings. How how sad would it be in our church for God to pour out his spirit, for us to be giving and sharing the gifts of God, the spiritual and the natural, and yet we have a church filled with envious people just wishing to be like the other person. We can't do that, we can't be that. And as a church, we can combat that through giving credit where credit is due, both to others and to God. It's critical to remember that our unique gifts are the result of God's providence and his purpose. The Father is responsible for giving us all of our natural gifts from the very beginning, just like we saw in that Psalms passage. The Holy Spirit is responsible for pouring out the gifts that come through the Holy Spirit. Paul calls the believers in Rome to recognize this, that we have different gifts according to the grace given. He encourages them to see their gifts as opportunities to work with the church and work with each other, to let wisdom 
be a part of what guides the process and the use of these gifts. Their gifts were to unite believers, not create division. I believe this. As God begins to pour out his spirit upon his church, I believe that we will witness more diversity. That there will be more people expressing their gifts and their talents in more unique and creative ways. And that we would be tempted to want to go after what the contribution of one person might be. But we as a church need to be excited and ready to give credit where credit is due, to be open to the work of God, showing up amongst us in different areas and in different pockets of people. God is at work. And with that diversity of gifts, there must be a unity of heart and spirit. The two need to grow together. I'll say this one final time. The Holy Spirit has given gifts to the church for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. The gifts of the Spirit are never an end in themselves. They are tools with which we can show the love of God to all people. They are not mysterious powers that are to be bought or sold. These gifts are given upon God's children by the Father. With His discretion and His glory, all of these are to be empowered. All of this is to bring us together as one. And ultimately, God has given these gifts so that we can be true, free, passionate followers of Jesus, building up the church, edifying the church both individually and corporately, and reaching the lost. We can't be vultures. We can't take from what God is doing and claim it for ourselves or take from a friend and claim it for ourselves. We need to earnestly and humbly explore all that God has for us. We need to do that. And at the same time, we need to fight pride. So what do we do? Combat pride, give credit. Could I suggest us doing one simple thing this next week, a small homework assignment. And to all of the students here who are not in school yet, and you're like, no, no, I'm not doing any, no homework for two more, three more weeks. I will not. Well, this isn't too difficult. Let me suggest this. Just take 10 minutes to write down everything you're good at. Maybe for some of you, that'll be about one minute in length. You'll be like, I, I, don't know what to, I, I don't know what to write. For others, you're like, you know what? I need like a sandwich and I need like a, I need to like put, you know, send my kids off to like some daycare for a day because it's going to take me time to write my list. Whatever spectrum you might be in, my encouragement is don't enter into this project with vain humility saying, I'm not really good at it. I'm waiting for someone to tell me I'm good at it because I know I am, but I'm not going to write it down. Don't be that person. Write everything down. If you're good at math, write it down. If you're good at writing, write that down. Yep, I was like, wait, what am I saying? Yeah, if you're good at writing, write that down. If you're good at strategic thinking, write that down. If you can speak more languages than other people, write that down. If you're stronger, faster, if you think you're braver, write that down. Write everything down that you think are gifts that God has given you. Gifts that you think you have. Gifts that you've acquired from your education. Gifts that you think you've acquired from the family you grew up in or the culture that you were born in or the race that you were, exist in. Whatever that might be, write all of it down 
Because the truth is, is it's still sitting in the back of our minds anyway. We're still walking around wanting to prop ourselves up, wanting to be noticed. So put it all down. Now, maybe you can do this as a couple. Maybe you could do this um, in your small groups. You don't have to share it with each other. That's okay, unless you want to and think it's helpful. Write it all down. And then once you've got it all down, take a look at the list and say this simple thing. God, thank you for giving me all of these good gifts. Thank you for giving me all of these good gifts. I won't pretend that I'm not good at them. I won't pretend that I'm not good at them, but I say thank you. I say, Father, you made me and you gave me all of this. Help me to give you credit for this list. Do that, because on one hand, there's that pride. On the other hand, there's that vain humility, and neither is the path that God is calling us as a church on. We have to own the good things that God has given us, but it needs to be given credit to where credit is due, and it's to our Father. And then secondly, you have a choice to be a fault finder or a gift finder. Find the gifts and the talents in other people and give them credit. Give credit where credit is due. That's my encouragement for us. Because in these next four weeks, as we dig into the talents and the gifts that God has for us as a church, I want us to start at the right place. There will be no Simons here. If there's a Simon here, I'm so sorry. I mean Simon the magician. There will be no Simon the magicians here. I am not interested in that. We are not interested in that. If you're a normal human Simon, please come. If you're a Simon watching, I'm so sorry. You are most welcome. But friends, does this make sense? I, this was a challenge for me to write because I wanted to walk the line of, of, of calling you to something for us to rise above where we've been. And I truly believe that God is going to do something fantastic in our community, but I don't want us to be so caught up in that that we forget to give credit. And that when God starts to show up, we want to be ready to write that down, to acknowledge who did this. Our Lord Jesus did this through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to invite Colleen to come up and she's going to play some piano for us as we prepare ourselves for communion. I think communion is a perfect expression coming out of the conversation we just had. You could use going in through the line. So how, we do, how we'll do this today is we have three lines. We'll have two individuals here, here, and here. And you'll make your way to the middle, come up, receive the elements, and then you'll go and sit back down where you were at or in a new seat. <laughs> Don't do that. That'd be really hard on someone. Um, you'll be, find your way back, and then we'll, we'll share communion together. But you know what? As you're making your way up, you could be thinking about fault finder, gift finder. Lord, what are the things that I, that, what are, what's the elements of pride in my life that you're already speaking to me about? What are some of these things for me to let go of? And primarily, as we're walking, may we reflect on the greatest gift that we could ever have received. It's not just being born into this world, but it's being gifted with eternal life and salvation when we put our hope and trust in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the one and only, gives us the gift of second chances and gives us the gift of eternal life. And it's out of that gift that we can demolish our pride. 
And so as we make our way forward to communion, consider the good gift that is represented in the elements of the cup and the bread. I'm going to pray, and then I would invite uh, our communion team to make their way forward. Heavenly Father, you're at work, and you're going to do something really great in our lives, in our families, in our church. You are at work, and we want to be in step with you. We don't want to go to the left or to the right. We want to walk with you. And Lord, we do not want to start on the wrong footing of thinking it's for us and us alone. Lord, this world is hurting and it needs a church that cares about other people. It needs a church that is excited to use the gifts that you have given for the furtherance of your kingdom and to give you glory. And Lord, we've seen too many churches, we've seen too many news reports of churches falling in on themselves because all they could do was chase after you for their own personal advancement. We cannot, we must not be a church that pursues you, Holy Spirit, for those reasons. Humble us, we pray. May we own and accept the gifts that you have given us, but give you credit in all things. And Lord, we give you credit for the salvation of our lives. And as we prepare our hearts for communion, we ask that you would help us evaluate where we're at. And then if there's anything we need to surrender, let go of, if there's anyone here who's not yet chosen to follow you, that they would choose to say yes to you, that they would humble themselves, confess that you are Lord of their life, ask you for forgiveness, and then come forward and receive communion that it would be a grace to receive, a gift for us to enjoy so that we could continue forward. I ask all of this in your good and precious name. Amen. Helpers, would you make your way forward, please?